Good morning, church. Today I want to talk to you about the helmet of salvation, our last line of defense. And our main scripture today will be from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. So I invite you to turn there because we'll be looking at other parts from Ephesians 6 as well as we're finishing up this lesson on the armor of God that God has given us. Uh, Today we're talking about the helmet of salvation, our last line of defense. Our first line of defense is faith. Paul said, in front of everything else, uh, put on the shield of faith, take up the shield of faith. The last line of defense is your hope of salvation, the salvation that you have, our thinking. In our thinking is the battle of the mind, that, that battle that's going on or spiritual warfare. Your thoughts determine the direction of your life. Your thoughts determine what you think and believe about God determines what you believe about yourself, about others, and what you think about life. Your thoughts determine what you consider to be true or false. Your thoughts determine what you think is right or wrong. Thoughts are very important. It's your last line of defense. That's why it's connected to the hope of salvation. If you want to change any one of those areas I've just talked to you about, you must first of all change the way you think. Any area of your life that you want to change the direction you're going in, you have to change the way that you're thinking. That's why it's important for us to put on the whole armor of God, but particularly this last line of defense, this helmet of salvation. Now, when I say the last helmet of defense, it doesn't mean the least. It doesn't mean it's not as important. It just means it has a very special, it's a very important piece of armor. Your mind needs to be protected. God wants your thoughts to be thinking right about your life. The enemy wants your thoughts to be thinking wrong about life. And so a very important part of this spiritual battle is in the mind. And that's why you never lead with your helmet. You never lead with your head. You ever heard about the boxer who was punch drunk? Or about the the football players at times that have problems later on in life. I think about the two type of helmets that have been in football players, American football. The first one you see is that one of the 1920s. It was a leather uh, hat that they wore. Not a whole lot of protection, but they put on this leather, leather helmet that they had. And of course, the modern day ones are engineered a lot differently, aren't they? Uh, protecting more and more the head that was there. But it shows you how the game has evolved. In the 1920s, the, the, the guys are not using their head as the first line of, of attacking the opponent. Uh, they're using other parts of their body. As the helmet has evolved over a period of time and just recently, uh, the helmet has evolved and also become the first thing that you use. Uh, remember the old NFL tapes and reels that they would show of helmet-to-helmet contacts, and they would kind of glorify those real hard hits as a, as a football player was using his head to spear into someone else. Or they would have a, a now what was called the missile, where the person would literally launch off their feet and missile into somebody. And what they discovered is by using your head as that first source against your opponent, it was causing serious injuries, lots of concussions, and it was never designed, never designed to be that way. And the point I'm trying to make here is that when you use your mind as the first thing out there, you can get spiritually punch drunk too. You can have all sorts of things that are happening to you. The Bible says you need to protect your mind. You need to guard your mind. Just a few verses that I don't have on the screen. 
but just shows how this relates. Hosea says that we need to have knowledge. God said, my people perish because they have a lack of what? Knowledge. So we have to have knowledge of God, meaning that in our brain, we have to train our brain, our thoughts, to be in what God wants us to live. God wants us to live the right way, right? So what does God's word say about that? I need that knowledge, otherwise I'm going to perish or I'm going to be destroyed. Destroyed by what? The wrong thoughts, the wrong way of life. It also tells me that, Peter tells me that I need to be ready to give a defense for the things that I believe in. This is persuasion. So I know what God has trained me, my brain and my thoughts to know, but I'm also able to use that to persuade others that this is the right way to live. This is the way God wants you to live, and you're able to give that persuasion, that defense that is there. But there's a third thing that's mentioned in the Bible. and says, don't get caught up in foolish arguments and senseless controversies regarding God's Word. In other words, we're not to take our thoughts and spend our time arguing with others about the Word of God. Uh, that is confusing. It can create doubt. It can also create a lot of pride because passions get inflamed, don't they? And so how, how many times have you ever seen people just get in, in a room and they're arguing about God's Word? They're not trying to persuade anybody. <clears throat> they're not even trying to gain knowledge. They're just arguing about controversies surrounding the Word of God. Does that make sense? So when you're involved in that, that's confusing to your thought life. It creates doubt at times in your thought life and really allows pride to step in because in arguments and senseless controversies, you always want to be what? You want to be the right one and everybody else is wrong. The helmet of salvation is so important. And I think about the equipment that a football player has. Look at all the equipment they have to protect the body. The very last thing they should ever use on the football field would be what? The helmet. You just don't want to get that involved in that play as much as possible. And, and I look at this and I think about our spiritual equipment where Paul says, look, out in front is the shield of faith. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the truth that's surrounding you as the belt of truth. And attached to that is the word of God. You're walking in the peace of the gospel. And the last line of defense is your hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love is what the armor that God has given us. It's strong. It's solid. It's secure. It protects us. That's what God has provided for us. There are no weak points in that armor. So the only times that we are vulnerable as a Christian is when we fail to put on the whole armor. When we decide that we're not going to put on that armor. Paul tells us in Ephesians 16 to do what? Take up the what? The helmet of salvation. It's your last line of defense. Your hope of salvation. The Roman Empire, as it begins to fall, has a hard time recruiting soldiers into their uh, armies there's for, for, for various reasons but one of the things as they become more laxed is that they want to recruit more recruit more people in they begin to re relax the rules of conditioning uh, discipline and the end result is is that the army becomes weaker and weaker and now as they become lax in their spiritual condition they begin to complain about the armor the armor is too heavy we don't want to wear all the armor and particularly the helmet they started saying, 
we don't want to wear the helmet. So the Roman soldiers quit wearing the helmet, which eventually began to weaken even more the Roman soldiers. The whole armor that was intended to protect them, they now begin to leave some of it off. And the helmet was the one thing that they took off because they didn't want to wear it. I think about in our own spiritual life, God has said, put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any of it home. Uh, take up the helmet of salvation. Put it on. You have to protect your thinking. If you become lax in your spiritual conditioning of your thinking, then it creates all sorts of problems. You become lax in what you're reading. You're not very careful in what you're watching. You could, you're just listening to anything on the radio. You're not even paying attention. You're just letting any of that music and the lyrics get into your mind. And what you're doing is you're saying, I don't need my helmet. That's too much effort. So you lax your spiritual conditioning and your spiritual disciplines and you leave your thought life totally open and vulnerable. And here it comes in through what you're reading, through what you're reading, or what you're listening to, and what you're viewing. And the result is, is that you're now the mind that was to be protected and living right for God has now what? Become corrupted because you're not protecting your, think, your thinking. I love the children's songs. The children's songs teach so much message, don't they? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where they go. There's a father up above watching down with tender love. Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little ears. Be careful, little tongues. Be careful, little hands. Be careful, little feet. Don't outgrow that song. I mean, there's so much in that about protecting who we are. Now, why do we need to protect that? Remember, we're in a spiritual warfare, and the devil wants to corrupt your mind. Think of your mind like a computer. Anyone ever get a virus on your computer? Where did that thing come from? They give them all sorts of funny names, don't they? There's nothing funny about a virus, but they get in and worm their way in, and all of a sudden what was working great is no longer working properly. It corrupts. Everything it can get its hands on, can it? Do you realize this is what the devil wants to do to the beautiful brain that God has given you, the beautiful thought light that you have? He wants to place in you these corruptions of the beautiful mind that God has given you so you stop thinking right about your life, about yourself, about God, about others, about your faith and what you believe. And he begins to attack our thinking. Now, how does he do that? Because the devil's a liar. The devil is an accuser. He accuses you. The devil is a deceiver. He will plant deceptive thoughts into your memory bank, into your thought life, into your subconscious. The devil is a manipulator. He manipulates our thoughts through our emotions, doesn't he? A, 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 a manipulator. He's great at that. The devil sets traps into our conscience and our subconscious and our memories. He puts them there in order to tempt us. The devil's a great tempter, tempting us through our thoughts, getting us off focus. The devil, though, as Paul tells in Ephesians 6, is a great strategist. He schemes and strategizes. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, we've got to put on this full armor of God, remember? Because the devil is full of all sorts of schemes. He's running these strategies against us. Our struggle is against him, not against others, not against people, but it's against him. And what we have to do is... Put on the helmet of salvation, 
to protect us from the corruption that the devil wants to cause into our thought life. So what does that corruption look like? What are you talking about, David? Well, how, how do I know when that's happening? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, look in verse 17 through 19. I have something from the Lord to tell you. I warn you, don't continue living like those who don't believe. Their thoughts are what? Worth nothing. That doesn't mean they're ignorant. doesn't mean that they don't have any information. It just means their thought life is corrupted in regards of what's right in this world and what's true and what's moral and the things it should be doing. They have no understanding. They know nothing because they refuse to what? Listen, see? Corruption. So they cannot have the life that God gave them. They have lost their feeling of shame and use their lives to do what is morally what? Wrong. More and more they want to do what? Now that, that's a corrupt thought life, isn't it? That's how you know when you're drawn towards those things and you're seeing your more relation to that than saying, I don't want any part of that. Uh, we have to train ourselves. Look in verse 20. That way of life is nothing like what you want. You learned when you came to know Christ. I know that you heard about him, and in him you were taught the what? Truth. Yes, the truth is in Christ. You were taught to leave your old self. This means that you must stop living the evil way you lived before. That old self gets worse and worse because people are fooled by the evil they want to do. You must be made new in your hearts and in your what? See it? In your thinking. Be that new person who was made to be what? Like God, truly good and pleasing to him. That's the life that God's calling you to. And you know when the devil is coming against you that he's pulling you away from all that back to that old life before you knew Jesus Christ. Now, the last two weeks, we've looked at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, and we're going to look at it again just for a moment. This is what the devil wants to do your thinking. This is what the devil's trying to do to your thought life. He wants to set up strongholds into your thought life that will absolutely cause you to turn away from God. And he does it through pride. He does it through arguments, we said before. And he does it through pretension, where he gets us thinking we're more than what we are. And the result is, how do I know when I have those strongholds in my life? It's when I quit listening to the Word of God and start listening to everything else. It's when I, my belief in God is being shaken. I'm beginning to doubt and question whether what God's Word says is true. It's when I lose self-control and my desires are out of control. It's when I develop a rebellious attitude and actions. And there where relationships should be loving and kind and helpful, I bring suffering to those relationships. The devil has a stronghold into your thought life. And this is why we need the helmet of salvation. The pride, the stubbornness, the training, whatever training it is, has caused us to be used by the devil to put in that stronghold that is now damaging and controlling the life that God wants us to have. Now, here's the good news. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. Here's the good news from John chapter 8. This is what Jesus says. If you'll hold to what? To what? My teaching. There's the knowledge. You are really my disciples. Then you will what? Know the what? The truth. And what happens then? Truth will set you free. If you don't like the direction your life is going in, change the way you think. And you change the way you think by following and obeying what Jesus tells you to do. 
And that's exactly what it's saying to do here. That's why Paul says, take up that helmet of salvation. He's provided the protection. He's given this to us. He's designed for us to live this life. Now, would you agree with me that most of our brains are pretty complex and complicated? Right? I think about when we talk about the brain, the right brain, the left brain. I mean, all that stuff that goes on there. You know, well, what a wonderful thing that the brain can just categorize that and itemize it, put it all together. It just amazes me. Identifies and categorizes and um, imagination and creativity, all that that goes in there. Just all that, just in a very simple look in terms of right brain, left brain. The Bible says guard our hearts, to guard our minds, because we're to wear that helmet of salvation. I hear people sometimes say, well, I can read that. It doesn't bother me. I, I can watch that movie. It doesn't affect me. I can listen to that music. I, I'm just, I just like the beat. I'm not listening to the lyrics. It's not affecting me. Do you think you're that simple? Are you really that simple that your whole brain is just of what you're aware of? Most of what goes into your thought life you have no awareness of. Anything you read, anything you watch, anything, anything that you put into your thought life affects you. And it's such a simple thing and such ignorance on your part, not in terms of stupidity, but ignorance on your part, the devil has you believing that you can read, watch, see anything you want to. And it's not going to affect you. It does. In the information that goes into your life, here's the next slide here. It's constantly information's going into your thought life. It's constantly identified in your awareness level, turning into knowledge, knowing what it is, wisdom, what to do about it, and understanding why you believe what you do. And that's just going on without you even thinking of it. An awareness on that level of what's going on at the present moment. But there's also the subconscious level. Nothing ever gets erased. Nothing ever gets erased. And it's there and you're unaware of it and there it continues to be there working. So when you're saying things don't affect you, if you see it, the thought process there, it's affecting you. Are you with me? Y'all just looking at me, you know? But it's true. So why do you need the helmet of salvation? It's not just for what you're aware of at this moment. It's what you're aware of all throughout. How this is gaining, the understanding, wisdom that you have. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things what? Above, not on earthly things. How does God want me to think? How does God want me to live? What does God want me to believe? How, how does God, what is God's standard for my life? Why does he tell me to protect and guard my mind? Because in that, it's your last line of defense. If the devil can destroy your thought life, he destroys your hope. And if you lose hope, you've lost everything. And this is what he's trying to do, do to you, to equip ourselves. And so here, I love this, the way the brain is too. It knows memory. Your thought life gives you logical beliefs, what you think is true and false. It gives you moral beliefs. Animals don't have the moral belief part, but we do. The moral belief, what is right or wrong. And here comes the attack by the devil. The devil takes the memories and he changes them. He plants lies in them. He represses them. He suppresses them. He compresses them. He, he changes them around. He can actually change our memory system, can he? Hey, he changes our logical beliefs. He gets, Do you really think that's true? How come everyone else says that that's not true? 
that's right and that's wrong? Why does everybody else say that's right and you're saying it's wrong? Are you sure? And he gets into our, into our thought life, our process, and he can literally change our memories, what we think is true or false, what's right or wrong. If you don't have on the helmet of salvation, if you're not wearing the armor that God has given you, do you see how vulnerable you are to the attack of the devil? And he can absolutely turn a person that loved the Lord and followed the Lord and just in a matter of weeks or days or year, completely turn them around against God. You see, in the subconscious, when you think about it, the subconscious doesn't make a decision in a moment. This is important to understand. It may have been put there years ago, decades ago, months ago, and it just stays in there unprocessed. It's just planted there from what you've seen or heard or read or whatever through your senses, and it's there, and then all of a sudden, it just pops up. Have you ever noticed that? In the good way, in a very positive way, it makes you very creative and imaginative. You say, oh, now I get it, the aha moments. Now that makes sense to me. But the devil, the devil comes in, and he uses those. He plants all sorts of things that can be harming and destructive in your thought life, where you don't feel good about yourself or about other people, where you begin to doubt God. And the devil is in there. And what we need to be careful about when you see this is that God says, I will protect your mind what you're aware of and what you're not aware of. But if you're not willing to turn it over to me, then your thought life can be controlled by the evil one. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Psalm 51, verse 6. I think this is very encouraging. Behold, this is God now. This God, God takes care of your subconscious as well. Now, I'm making this point because thinking, we often think, well, what am I thinking right now? Right? It's a lot more complicated than that. But every part of your brain and thoughts are covered by God. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach my wisdom where? He's talking about the subconscious there. He's protecting you. All that stuff that's going in there, turn over to God. God protects you. He protects your inward being, the wisdom in your secret heart. You need that in Hebrews 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That root, see the word root? Where does a root grow, guys? Under the ground, sight unseen. That root of bitterness might have, caught, might have started in your childhood. Might have started something when you were a young adult. And now it begins to pop up, right? Why am I feeling this bitterness now? How did all this start springing up? Because in your thought process, the devil had planted bitterness. And it wasn't dealt with. And now it's a root that's about to do what? Bear fruit. About to bear fruit. You see what it says here? God, God's grace can work in your life when you wear the helmet of salvation, to protect you from that. So there might have been something that would have caused you to be bitter, but God says, uh-uh, that's not going to grow in you. We're going to kill that root. We're getting rid of that. What might cause others to be bitter? You overcome it. You're an overcomer. Does that make sense? The bitterness you have today did not start this morning. The anger that you can't get rid of did not start this morning. It might have been there for a long, long time. 
And no psychologist, no medicine, nothing will get that out of your mind except God's helmet of salvation. Psychologists are great. Psychiatrists are great. Medications are great. We all need them. But the primary source is what? The helmet of salvation to protect from those roots that are trying to grow. How does he do that? Well, it's very encouraging in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You see, the Bible tells us that our minds are to be transformed and to be renewed. It's not mystical. It's not that God opens up my spiritual skull and just pours it in there one night while I'm sleeping. How am I transformed? How is my thought life renewed? By the word of God. Every day that you say, I'm not, I'm not going to read God's word today, you've chosen to keep your helmet at home. You've chosen that day for your thought life to be totally exposed to the weapons of Satan. And believe me, he'll find every weak spot he can. But when you put yourself in the word of God every day, you're renewing yourself, you're renewing your mind, you are transforming your mind to be more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Here's the power of the word. That's why you need to wear the helmet of salvation, your hope, and why you need to use this sword. The word of God is alive, it's active, it's not a dead book, it's not a historical book from 2,000 years ago or beyond. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It can even penetrate to dividing soul and spirit, subconscious, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. It gets beyond the conscious awareness, down deep where we don't know. Secret parts of us, the subconscious, and if it can go there and make a life difference. So let me just sum up real quick. Okay, well, you've covered a lot. Can you give me three examples of where the devil attacks? Well, he'll attack your assurance of hope. Do you know you're saved this morning? Are you saved this morning in Jesus Christ? Man, I grew up in the Church of Christ. We said, I hope so. I, I hope I am. I'm not really sure. How many sins I do today? I mean, I was raised in that. I love the church, churches of Christ. But as a kid, I mean, it was just so much guilt. I didn't know whether on Monday I was, Sunday I was saved and Monday I had to go forward again. Am I being too harsh? I mean, really, is God like that? Hope I die on Sunday. Maybe Wednesday, but never Saturday, you know. <laughs> and yet, the more I grew and read, the more it told me I could know. And then I realized, and I realized this early on, it's the devil telling me that, not God. And I don't mean everyone in the church of Christ are devils, all right? <laughs> but we're all, we were Conditioned. Conditioned. And then you read God's word, um, salvation, assurance, 1 John 5, verse 11. What is the gift from God? This is the testimony. God has given us what? Eternal life. Where is it found? This life is in his son. Is there another way? Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. There's no other way except Jesus. How can I know? I write these things to you who be what? believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. Not I hope so. Not I guess so. Not I think so. But I know you have eternal life. You devil, you liar, you accuser, you manipulator. 
You get those thoughts out of my brain. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit as a down payment. Get out of my life. I am assured by God, and I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he's fully able to save me on that great day. That assurance that comes from there. The devil will attack your assurance of salvation. He will attack your holiness. Do you really think that God can call you blameless? Do you know what you're thinking about? Do you really believe that God's going to accept you? I mean, here you are on Sunday morning in the pew. Yeah, but I mean, I, how do you live on Monday through Do you think God is going to call you holy and blameless? Do you think you can really live this Christian life? And so what he does, he, he begins to get into that logical part of our thoughts and begins to twist. Do you really think that's true? Maybe what you're calling false is actually true. Do you really think that's wrong? Why does everyone else think it's okay? Maybe you're wrong. You don't have to live that way. And what he does, he twists it, doesn't he? Holiness, Titus 1. What leads to godliness? Look in Titus 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to what? Godliness. What leads to holiness? What leads to godliness? Thinking. Thought process. The knowledge of the truth. What does God promise us? In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. What does God promise you? Eternal life. He's given that to you through Jesus Christ. What will God not do? God who does not lie. Who's the liar? Who's the accuser? Manipulator, tempter, deceiver. Who's the one of love, light, truth, compassion, holiness, salvation? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Our last line of defense. Third way attacks is self-control. You can't do that. Who told you you could live that way? You can't live for God. I know you. I know all your faults. know what you're going through. It's what the devil, the devil constantly attacks you. That you can't have that self-control. I, I like this next slide. This is so true, isn't it? This is where the devil wants you to live your life. I mean, that, that's sobering, isn't it? Why does the devil want to get hold of your thought life and for you to put down the helmet of salvation? So he can do this to you. This is the destruction that he wants to cause. Paul says you can have self-control. In 1 Thessalonians 5, here's what he says. Look, people, notice, we should have, be awake and have self-control. We've got to be alert to it. Self-control. Verse 8. We belong to the day, so we should control ourselves. What day should we control ourselves? Every day. Okay. How do we do that? We should wear faith and love to protect us, and the hope of salvation should be what? Our helmet. You can do this, guys. When the devil attacks your assurance, when he attacks your belief that can you really live the life, when he attacks your self-control, your thought control, say, no. God. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation he's given me, and God will protect me, 
and lead me in that hope of salvation that I have. Let's stand together. I want to make one final point. This one final point in Ephesians 6, verse 18, I want you to notice the slide back is uh, one slide previous. Is notice how that armor is connected to all the other armors around it. See that? You were never designed to do this on your own. Get other Christians in your life that have the right thinking and are designed to wear the armor of God as well. Surround yourself together. Notice that. Every direction's covered. Every area's covered. There's strength and encouragement in that. Amen? That's why it says in Ephesians 6, verse 18, with this in mind, what in mind? The spiritual warfare. Be alert and always keep praying for all of God's people. Would you look around and pray for everyone in this congregation? Pray it will put on the full armor, that will take our stand in the strength of the Lord, that will be soldiers of Christ to rise and put on the full armor of faith, and we will promise that we'll never leave our helmet of salvation at home again. We'll wear it. We wear it. Now, as we start this week together, I offer you this prayer of protection that's based upon what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1. And here it is. This is my prayer for you. May your love abound more and more in the knowledge, insight, and depth of God's Word. May this week God lead you to do what is best, keep you pure, and fill your week with fruits of righteousness. And may all of us on that great day when Christ comes to save us, and we know that we're saved. May we look forward to that time when through Jesus Christ we are brought with him to the glory and praise of God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you'd like to be baptized, place membership, or have Kevin Pennick, one of our elders, pray with you, make your way to the front bench as right now we sing.